Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now, here's your host, award-winning certified exit planning advisor, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the exit planning podcast show. Today's guest is the founder of several successful companies, and he's here to share some of his ownership and exit experiences with us, as well as talk about his latest endeavor. But first, let's hear from our show sponsors. Right now, there's a record number of buyers looking for businesses, and many businesses are selling at a premium. To get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth, contact a broker at Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880. We're Minnesota's largest seller of companies. Let us help you maximize your life's work. Call 612-455-0880 or visit sunbeltmidwest.com. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl-walk-run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long-time success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A dot com. TrustPoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. Hey, everybody. We're here today with Gordy Meyer, the CEO of one of our esteemed sponsors here at Poised for Exit, Data, a marketing firm that specializes in fractional services for business. Gordy, welcome to Poised for Exit. Thanks, Julie. Good to be here. It's really good to have you here. There's a lot that we can talk about. You've had uh, many, many entrepreneurial experiences. Um, we're going to unpack some of that here in the show today. Um, when, we, when we think about like how you got your start, what was it that, that first drew you to becoming a, an entrepreneur in the first place? Uh, as far as I can remember, even as a kid, I always wanted to be one. Um, I was, I was did a paper route. I was, you know, doing my own lawn business. Oh. So it started early. Um, it's kind of, and, and as soon as I started at Finger Hut Companies out of college, Finger Hut was direct mail marketing company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the fortune that 
me working there is one I'm pretty analytical, just you know, my aptitude. But that business was um, the leader in using data for making business decisions, way ahead of all the banks. Mm. So um, I spent 10 years learning because they'd, they'd take massive amounts of data and decide who to market to, who should they approve, figure out, by the way, it was a bank in essence because it lended credit to everybody. Um, okay. I, so, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I just knew they grew to be huge. Yeah, and it was, it was all sold on credit. And so they were basically underwriting. So you had to be a good marketer. You had to make credit decisions, um, collections as well. And so I learned a lot from that. But throughout it all, I always wanted to start something. Um, And uh, spending 10 years there was quite, (laughs) I'm amazed I lasted that long. But uh, it was good. It was a good good run. And then I started a business called RiskWise, which got into using um, data and predictive analytics to make help businesses make decisions. And typically, those decisions were um, application fraud or payment fraud or who to market to. Um, Examples would be, at one point, we had 50 or 60% of all the uh, mobile applications Mm. in the country were being decided by our software. And so the it was it was a high tech business, so you were basically taking tons of data and you were searching it, and it was about people usually. Um, and we were trying to find insights about, you know, what type of people are are they real? Um, mm. Will they you know be a good customer? All of that in you know as uh, analytics, and then we had to make that decision in you know half a second or less. Mm. And it had to happen every time. So it was a high mission critical processing. Uh, business. And so we did that. Um, and then in 2000, we sold that off to LexisNexis, which pretty big company out of Atlanta. And um, I stayed there for three years. And of course, big company things is not my not my cup of tea. Yeah, so what year I, was that? What year? 2000. We 2000. sold RiskWise. Yeah. A little while ago. Okay. Yep. That was the first one. And then I started eBureau three years later. And it was kind of the same business. We were attacking the same model, except we were more focused on the actual, rather than building models with humans, which took two to two, two weeks to two months, we actually built technology that could do it in two hours. And it took us seven years to do it. It was a very hard problem to solve. Um, but we found that we could build, you know, these models that at that point, humans were doing it. Nowadays, it's commonplace that, you know, everything's getting automated, mm-hmm. but not back in the early 2000s. Right. Um, and so we were like the first one that could do it from beginning to end, build a model in a, a couple hours. The model would work better than a human could make it. So mm. it was early stages of AI, right, before AI was even a buzzword. Um, and then um, the models were used, again, for fraud, credit, collections. Okay, same industry. B- businesses were using it to make better decisions. Sure. Um, we ultimately were sold to um, TransUnion, one of the credit bureaus. Uh-huh. Uh, I worked there for three years. And then in the, uh, while we were building out eBureau, we also spun off a business called True Signal, which did something similar, but it was in the digital space, and we were building out custom audiences for... Um, 
for targeting purposes at scale. And um, so, and we sold that business to TransUnion too in 2019. So 2017 eBureau sold, 2019 True Signal. I left TransUnion at uh, 2020. Um, again, not big company guy. So, mm-hmm. and um, it was, you know, I didn't know that I wanted to start anything uh, by from scratch. So um, I was looking for opportunities. I was on the board of a company called Data, um, a company that Luke Reardon, he uh, founded it out of his um, dorm room at St. John's. Mm-hmm. And um, business is now about 12 years old, but I was on the board, you know, at least eight, eight of those. And COVID came along and kind of changed the whole model because it used to be employees would work in the office and right. they would work for customers within an hour or two's drive, right? And so it didn't really have expansion or scale potential. COVID came along, pushed all the employees home. We operated more efficiently. It opened up the opportunity to get um, a, a broader uh, set of employees from um, all over the country. Of course. And um, so you're not constrained, you know, from a resource standpoint. And then also um, our customers, we, could, we were selling and serving via Zoom. Um, that never would have happened before COVID. Um, and all of a sudden it looked like, you know, this, this model could be expanded. And so that's when I got interested in, in taking that on because it would had, you know, kind of no constraints to it. Um, the other opportunity, because um, I'm really tech kind of driven person, is I saw a huge opportunity to improve the operating model of the classic marketing agencies. It's very manual, um, inefficient, and so there's just tons of ways to improve that. Um, and so that that really was kind of the compelling reasons to get involved in that business. So how do you improve the operating model of a marketing business? Um, Lots of process improvements, but ultimately, um, you know, there's a million different things going on in an agency. It's very, it's like, you know, I call it death by a thousand cuts, lots of, lots of tasks Mm -hmm. and trying to manage and coordinate all those. And so in your, you're operating in lots of different platforms, you know, it's Google, it's Facebook, you're Mm -hmm. doing offline stuff and none of them come together. Right. Right. And so people use spreadsheets, they use you know, slideware, um, they use docs, and they basically manually assemble and, you know, um, combine all that stuff. And it just takes time. And of course, it's writ with error. Um, and so we're bringing all of that together in one unified centralized system that we call Daylight. And so both online and offline, it will bring um, both the planning, execution, and the analysis of all your marketing. And so we use it internally to actually manage our um, relationships with customers, but they can also get in and look at it too. So they always, very transparent, they always know what's going on. Okay, so right? kind of like a base camp. Kind of like that, but they got a, a client base camp would point. be more on the client end okay. still manage projects, and they still may want that. Mm-hmm. But in our working model, we actually are doing most of that project management because, mm-hmm. again, our target market is kind of small to mid-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but some use other, they might have another agency or they do some of the stuff internally mm-hmm. and they're just letting us do some of it, right? So there may still be a need for the, the client to use something like Basecamp, mm-hmm. but 
where we're bringing all that data together, especially the, right. on the 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 you know, measurement side, they can't get that anywhere. And it doesn't exist. Okay, so they have their own client portal that they can go in at any time and and look at what whatever the analytics are that you guys are monitoring and, what, and whatever to, we're doing trying from, to manage. Here's all the campaigns we're running. Sure. And so, how like, they're working and yeah. in any projects we might be working on for like, them. like yeah. a dashboard. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's definitely yeah. a dashboard. Got it. And it's it's for planning purposes too, right? So like what's what's coming up on what's next year look like from a roadmap standpoint. So we've got all that laid out. Um, roadmap. Wow. Brilliant. Love it. Simple. I mean, the concept is is not brilliant. It's actually having it all come together is yeah. really hard problem. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But with your technical prowess, I'm sure that this well, has been I've, right up I've your alley, right? Well, and I've brought some people that have worked for me in the past, so <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do any of it. I, yeah. So I, yeah. it's good. Yeah. But uh, so that you know, it's it's a really fun problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see anybody that's actually solved it out there commercially. So it's it's we're two years in on that, you know we've we're making progress. It's it's great, but it's gonna it's gonna get a lot better over the next two years too. Okay, so that's something that is a part of like say for instance you are meeting with a prospect and you're talking to them about your company, the services you provide, and your differentiator. I'm assuming that that's part of the conversation. It is. Here's what sets us apart. Yeah. yeah. Two things I think that separate us is when our operating model, we, we use a team-based approach. We call them pods. And that pod is has a different specialist. You know, they could be advertising, creative, mm-hmm. project managers, uh, et cetera. Um, they work. We assign a pod to every client, and they work. To, you know, whatever that mission is to, to serve that client, they solve it. Daylight is a tool they use to, to control and organize and, and communicate with the client, and the client has access to that. It's just part of our mm-hmm. offering. So it's not, not like a separate fee. It is how we operate, and so they can see exactly what's going on and how it's working. So is this a protected intellectual property that you're going to keep under wraps for data only, or is this something that you foresee maybe selling in... Like a SaaS? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it, we keep it in the back of our minds, kind of a SaaS offering. I mean, it's not to that point yet. Sure. Because it really... I, um, I kind of think is that this business is like a serve tech, like services and technology business. Yeah. Kind of one without the other doesn't really, you know, work. Um, we're not going to get rid of the human element in our business for no, sure. But I mean yeah. like another marketing company yeah. that would maybe be interested in buying a license from you. Um, possible. You know, it's not maybe it's probably not future, mature yeah. enough for that yet. But sure. you know, it's it's not out of the question. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. It's it's good to have that proprietary yeah. IP for sure. So let's talk about that entrepreneurial journey um, a little bit more. All these companies that you've been involved in and the work that you've done to build them up and find um, the right buyer. What are some of the lessons that you learned along the way? Um, build a great company. <laughs> you know, Define that, great that, company. That, well, <laughs> um, differentiated, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, for me, I was always seeking um, and still am hard problems to solve. Um, from the standpoint I like, the benefit of that is there's fewer competitors, if you can solve the problem, there's more value in that, right? Um, but, you know, it's hard. And, and so 
Um, I picked hard problems um, from a technical standpoint. We were able, I had the right people to help solve them. Mm. And so that, that was the key. But even then, we still had to sell. So you got to build out a business development team, a brand, and everything else, like any business, right, to show that what you have actually works and people are using it in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so we did that, and, you know, we we had good success. And ultimately, I mean, how we um, got buyers interested, it varied. Um, In the first one, we literally sold, not got bought, but we sold our business to LexisNexis. We we basically... um, instructed them or gave them advice that they should buy this and start a new division in their company because they were in public records and in law um yes stuff yes but they weren't in risk management we were a risk management business sure and they bought it they they liked the idea great advice they they bought it and um you know they paid a decent number for it and but that business was gold. It was a great business. And then they started strapping on other businesses with that. Mm-hmm. And now it's over a billion-dollar uh, business in their risk management group. So uh, it was kind of the genesis of that whole risk management sector mm-hmm. of LexisNexis. But that mm-hmm. one we sold. And in mm-hmm. the um, other cases, eBureau, we hired a banker. We went through, you know, the, the classic banking, you know, who's on the list. They have a list that they thought were interested in our business. We had a list. They went out and started talking to them and having warm conversations and finding out who might have an interest. Mm-hmm. You know, we put a, um, uh, you know, memorandum together, mm-hmm. you know, classic sale. They went out and pitched that. We had like six companies that were interested. We went and did pitches to them. Ultimately, we got three bids. And, you know, you pick who you want. But um, Was that when you were buying or when you were selling? That was when we were selling. That was eBureau. Okay. When you were buying, because you bought too, you bought some businesses? Small ones. Sure. Okay. So for the listeners out there, a lot of business owners listening, what kind of advice would you give them um, as, as an experienced buyer of a business? What are some of the things that you think maybe when you were looking and you were vetting out opportunities... Were there um, common issues that you noticed that were kind of deal that, breakers that, you, you know, mean that that uh, disqualified or yeah, or yeah, or, or just kind of caused you to go pause, you know, um, maybe two or three things that are yeah. I mean, we were in the cases where we did acquire things, we were looking for something very particular. So mm-hmm. it was either some, a gap in our service. So that was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Sure. Um, and they were rel- in the scope of things relatively small, you know, a few million dollar kind of revenue generating companies. So they weren't huge um, capital investments. Mm-hmm. You know, small teams, you know, they were probably like 15 people, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But we were looking for, in our case, a particular hole to fill um, a gap in what we had. And it was, in that case, um, on the risk wise side, it was a consulting, kind mm. of fraud consulting service that we acquired. Oh, oh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, a consulting business. A consulting. Imagine that. Yeah, they they're do good have, ones. I they heard. do have value. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, um, major lessons. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way in selling and buying and being an entrepreneur that you would think would be notable? Um, I think, you know, what I've already said, like, for me, the picking a problem that is... Yeah, the um, tough problems. Not commodity, right? Right, I mean, that's not right. interesting. Um, sure, you know, not everybody gets to 
choose, but if you can pick one that's hard, um, pick one that you like <laughs> and the things you like to do because yeah. you, you may be doing it a long time. I know. I just had yeah. this conversation with a client today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the other thing is if you love it, if you have passion about it, you're going to be better at it, right, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, enjoy the journey because it's hard. I mean, you know, you got to be resilient. The ups and downs of, mm-hmm. of running a business. You know, I've, you know, I used to wear it on my sleeve more. Now I just kind of enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know. And if you don't feel the, understand the bad side, you don't know what the good side feels like either, right? Very true. Um, so things bother you less. Yeah. And you just l- learn mm. to level it out. Right. right. And, and I always say the good days aren't as good as they seem and the bad days aren't as bad as they seem. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, get good. over it, move on to the next day. It, yeah. it, you make it happen. But. Exactly. Good point. Good point. So, um, as we talk about the future for data, first of all, I wanted to ask you really quick, how do, okay. You were on the board for eight years. Did you know Luke? I did. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that that's how that all worked out, and it seems like it's yeah, been yeah, a really great... Yeah, he got a prof in, at St. John's introduced us a um, long time ago. And so um, I got interested in business, and I was an advisor, basically, you know, and didn't yeah. do a lot for eight years, right? I'd be, mm-hmm. meet with them a couple times. and But I was I was watching what they were doing and their progress, and so it was, it was mm-hmm. good. Um, so I had a keen understanding of the business, so I didn't jump into something I didn't really understand mm-hmm. um and and you know there wasn't a lot of warts i knew most of the warts getting in right so oh sure yeah. you had an inside look yeah. for sure oh it, it seems like it's working out really well for you i'm really excited for the future of the business and we really appreciate having you here as a sponsor for this show yeah um, well it's it's been good i appreciate having the opportunity absolutely um anything else any uh topics or things that you wanted to share before we wrap up today, Gordy? Um, one interesting story, and this one is a, a, a survival story. So in the, this would have been risk-wise, to, um, actually E-Bureau 2012. Mm-hmm. So the government didn't like our business, um, FTC, because we mm-hmm. dealt with people-related um, information. And so they were between... They were doing research project. Not it wasn't a lawsuit, but a research project on mm-hmm. us. And so it was all the bureaus, Alexis, but somehow and we're tiny, we get thrown into the pack. Oh. So anyways, that we we get some uh visibility, but it's not the kind of visibility you want. Right. So I get a call. The New York Times wants to do an article on us and it's like, no, no, that's kiss of death, right? Right. Um and so I said, no, we're not doing that. And, and then she said, well, we're going to do an article on you anyhow. So, good, you know, you can participate or not. It's up to you. And I went, no. So I thought about it, and then I went back and I told her, well, I'll do it if you come out and see me in St. Cloud, Minnesota. So she did. She came from New York. We had dinner. We spent three, four hours at a whiteboard. I explained the whole business. In the in the model, I just completely was transparent. Um, went well. A few weeks later, the article comes out, and it's in the Sunday edition, biggest you know right. circulation of any paper in the world, I think. 
and the business section front page. And so they told me it was coming out. So I mean, my board, everybody, we're freaking out because this is this could be career ending. This oh is, could God. be the end of the business, right? Right. Depending on how they profile that. Oh yeah. And so uh, the electronic edition comes out like at two a.m. So I stayed up that night because I'm just <laughs> like, this is I'm, you know, crazy. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! And I look at it, and it was super fair, right? I mean, it okay. was super fair. Um, Imagine that. Yeah, and I got calls the next day that you wouldn't believe. People are going, "I've never seen anybody be on the cover of the business section and not going to jail," right? Right. And um, so it was really interesting. I mean, you can still get it, but it was a huge article. It took Jeez. it was like two and a half pages of the wow. business section, pictures. They sent out a photographer, everything. Anyways, the moral of that story is, I mean, I wanted to run, but I ultimately turned around and just brought her in and mm-hmm. we dealt with it and took it head on. And had I not done that, I would have, it would have been a completely different result. They would have, it had been a bad blemish, you know, bad image on the, the, the company. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, I think there's a lesson learned in that is embrace some of that stuff and mm-hmm. as ugly as it feels, um, but it turned out all right, but well, you interesting. were uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. Um, yeah, it could have gone so much differently, right? Especially if you wouldn't have participated, they probably would have spun it in a way oh, that yeah. They, would, yeah. they absolutely I mean, would have spun it in the way they, they wanted because they, yeah. they were very uh, transparent against those kinds of businesses, right? So mm-hmm. it was there was a history of that. But anyways, uh, you know, that's the one thing I, I was so nervous. You know, for mm-hmm. weeks waiting for that article Gosh. to come out. Our board was on needles, pins and needles, waiting for it. I bet because it was like, well, here goes here goes our, our whole investment right up in flames with one article, right? Yeah. So lessons learned, mm-hmm. but a good outcome. Yeah. Very good outcome. Awesome, Gordy. Thank you so much. All right, for thanks, Julie. It's been great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Um, for our listeners, I'm sure that you've enjoyed this episode of Poised for Exit. You know where you can find all the rest of our episodes. We really appreciate you sharing and subscribing and following and listening, and we hope you can join us again next time.